This will be a little bit more of a, a testimony and not so much of a teaching this morning. Um, <clears throat> when uh, Dad asked if I, if I would take one of the men's breakfasts, this is kind of a couple of topics that have been on my heart the last few years, and so I knew pretty much right away that this is what I wanted to share on. Um, you know, I, so I had to start with a title because every good speech has to start with a title, right? Back in uh, public speaking classes, you had to have a good title first and then, and then start your intro, right? Anyway, so just so you guys know what this is going to be about, my, this title will be Putting Down Roots and Fertility, Lessons in Trust. And so that's kind of what, um, what's been going on the last few years. So 2020 was a weird year for a lot of reasons, as we all know. Um, Obviously, with COVID and just everything that kind of fell apart that year, it seemed like, right? But for us, it was weird because that was the year that God told us to move out of our home and put down roots in a new neighborhood. Um, we had been in our house on Front Street for about seven years. My brother Jesse and our best friends Amos and Ivy were within walking distance of us. We were close to the grocery store. We were close to the church. Uh, we were close to pretty much everything in town. Uh, at 11 p.m. on a Friday night, we could get in our car and go to cookout and get a milkshake, which we did often, um, or Andy's. Andy's is great. Don't sleep on Andy's. And so in the summer of 2020, right when COVID was really starting to set in and things were really starting to get crazy, um, that's when God called us it was time to move. And uh, we mentioned to Amos and Ivy that we were going to start looking for land and build a house, which... Uh, if you know how expensive it was at the time to build a house, you know how stupid that felt coming out of our mouth, that that's what we were going to do. And Amos, being an appraiser, uh, confirmed that that was a stupid idea. Um, so I appreciate his honesty. Um, but yeah, in 2020, you could sell your house for a lot of money. But if you remember, once you sold your house, there was nowhere to go. Uh, unless you were ready to put a cash offer within the first 24 hours, there was no way to buy a house and building a house was, was just not smart at the time. But we knew pretty clearly that's what God wanted us to do. We kind of went to God at the time and just asked him, Lord, are you sure this is, this is what we're supposed to do? Uh, we both felt pretty clearly it was, but he said, hey, trust me, I've got this. So a couple weeks after telling Amos and Ivy that we were looking for land, uh, Ivy messaged me and she said, hey, this is a realtor friend of mine. They just posted this this morning on our Facebook, and it was some land up 49 North. And so we got in our car that day and drove out there, walked around the land, and in the middle of that field after praying and just talking it over, decided this is it. We're going to make an offer on this land right here. So that's what we did. We made an offer. We were one of six offers that were made that day. And uh, we had no idea what we were doing. We, got, we found a realtor that day that would help us out, another friend of Ivy's. Thank you, Ivy. And um, so we made an offer. The realtor said, look, I think this is priced well. Just give an asking price offer and then decide what you want to do on due diligence. I would recommend either $500 or $1,000 on due diligence. I said, okay, well, we've got $1,000. Let's just put that, we, we can put that down. So again, six offers were made that day. We got a call the next day from our realtor say, hey, they accepted your offer and you outbid the next highest person by $500. 
We said, all right, here we go. So now it's time to sell the house, which turned out to be the easiest part of this whole thing, right? We put the house on the market. The first 24 hours, we had four offers. Three of them were all cash offers. Uh, so within the first 48 hours, we had accepted an offer, and our house was sold. <laughs> yeah. So then we were sitting in our house thinking, all right, well, what do we do now? <laughs> And that's when we ran into our first major roadblock, because we knew, look, we, we knew we were going to build a house, but we knew it was going to take some time. We knew we'd have to rent something for a while. So we started looking at rental properties, something we probably should have already been doing, but all this was happening really, really quick. So we started looking at rental properties, and finally found the cheapest one we could find was a little shotgun-style house in Mebbin. Uh, it was about 900 square feet. And they're asking $1,500 a month, and that did not include utilities. And they also did not allow pets, so our two dogs would not be allowed to move in with us. Which I was thinking, well, thank God, this is, this is an answer to prayer. But uh, Celia said, no, we're not doing that. So we spent a couple weeks stressing over this, trying to figure out. We knew by the end of August we had to have something because we had to move out. Just trying to look around, trying to figure out what to do. And so one day, Celia said, well, look, you know, your parents have an empty basement, and we probably could rent it from them while we build this house. And I looked her in the eye and said, absolutely not. <laughs> There's no way. I'm 33 years old. I'm not moving back into my parents' house. More than that, I'm not moving back literally into my childhood bedroom and my childhood bed at 33 years old. There's no way that's happening. And then God, within the first couple days of uh, that conversation, said, oh, yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> so a hot summer day, we were at a friend's pool with mom and dad. And uh, I said, look, I got something I need to ask you guys. And I uh, explained our situation, that we had found a rental in Mebbin, but they wouldn't allow pets and all this stuff. And so before I could get anything else out, mom said, you want us to keep your dogs. We can do that. <laughs> and I said, well, yes. We do want you to keep our dogs. Uh, we also want you to keep us. Um, and to their credit, without much hesitation, they said, yeah, we can do that. And so right there uh, on the spot, pretty much, we had ourselves a place to rent while we built the house. And it, once again, it kind of felt like God say, all right, just trust me, I got this. I got this figured out. We initially told them we'd be there for anywhere from 10 to 12 months because we were planning on starting building right away. But God had other plans, and when it was all said and done, we lived in that basement for a year and eight months uh, before our house was ready. But at the end of the day, it turned out to be one of the best gifts that God could have given us at that time in our life. Um. When the last kids move out of a house, at least this was the case for us, you kind of wonder how your parents are doing as empty nesters. Um, unfortunately, that's a, a time in life when a lot of couples decide to get divorced uh, because that, the kids and that distraction is out of their life, and then they look at their marriage and realize this isn't working. And so that's kind of when a lot of things start to happen for people. And so as an adult, I kind of was curious myself, like how, literally how are my parents actually doing uh, being alone in that house for the first time in like 30 years probably, right? Um, 
And so um, for about a year and a half, or a little over a year and a half, God allowed me to get a bird's eye view, a close-up view of how they were actually doing as a married couple. Um, and I saw how seriously that they took their marriage, um, even as far knowing that they had still rough edges. At this point, 40 years in their marriage, there were still rough edges. So even taking the time to still go to counseling and help get the, some of those rough, rough edges knocked off. I got to live in their house and see that um, they went on walks a lot of nights when the weather was good together. Um, at they on Saturdays they went to ballroom dancing lessons, uh, which is something I never thought my dad would do. Um, and then after that, going to Burlington Beer Works every Saturday for a breakfast together, um, they made that a priority. Um, most nights in the basement, I could hear them up in the living room reading out loud to each other or talking about their day. Um, or I could hear them binge-watching their favorite shows like Blue Bloods or House or some British show about midwives that I still don't <laughs> understand. Um, <laughs> when we were living in the basement, that's when my grandmother ended up falling and ended up in the hospital. And so um, I got to watch night after night as my dad went and sat by her side in hospice. And um, got to watch him help her take her last steps on earth and her first steps into the arms of Jesus. By the time our house was built, we got to experience a friendship with mom and dad that wouldn't have really been possible otherwise unless we were actually living with them. And so a year and a half later, after telling Celia absolutely not, I <laughs> uh, could very clearly look back and see that God was saying, See, Caleb, just trust me. So one of the reasons it took so long to build our house is because if you remember the fall and winter of 2020, we had more rain in Alamance County than we had had in 50 years in that, those seasons. And so it was a very wet winter. Our contractor was building two other houses, and basically we were just waiting on him to be done with that. He was supposed to be done by Thanksgiving of 2020. He ended up not being done by uh, May of 2021 with those other two houses. And so we sat and watched as lumber prices continued to climb up and up and up. And every day it would rain, get more and more frustrated and think, this is ridiculous. I don't understand this. But if you remember in May of 2021, for whatever reason, I still, I'm not sure why, lumber prices all of a sudden started to come down for the first time in a year and a half. And so all of a sudden, all that rain, all that inconvenience, it suddenly started to make sense. As God once again said, hey, like, I'm doing what I want to do. You just need to trust me. I've got this under control. There are moments in the build that we saw God's hand very, very clearly and knew that we were walking on the right path. And there are several moments that God was more kind and generous to us than, than we certainly deserved. One of those moments came out of nowhere. So like I said, lumber prices were climbing. May of 2021, though, they finally came down. Before COVID, you could buy a 2x4 for about 2 bucks, maybe 250 at most. 
Um, by 2020, 2021, uh, two by four was about $10 a piece, sometimes $11 a piece, depending on when you went in. Uh, there's a lot of two by fours in a house, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so I've never really cared about the cost of lumber, but during that year and a half, every single day, I was getting online and looking at the markets, seeing where prices were, um, what things were going on. And one of the things I was watching was OSB. If uh, you don't know what that is, if you build a stick house, then it is pretty much all over your house. It's on the roof, it's on the exterior walls, it's on your flooring. Uh, it's basically plywood, if you think about it as a four by eight foot sheet of plywood. In 2020, in early 2021, at the height of everything, um, or excuse me, before 2020, it was about 12 bucks for a sheet of this OSB. And in the height of everything, it got up to $52 a sheet. So that's the price I was watching closely, and it did nothing but climb up and up and up, and it never came down. So a week before our contractor needed to put his order in for OSB, something really, really weird happened in Burlington. <laughs> the Burlington Lowe's and the Burlington Home Depot got into a fight, uh, literally got into a fight. More specifically, the pricing managers got into a fight, um, and I'm not sure why. I don't know what happened. But they got into a fight. And so to get back at this guy at Home Depot, the Lowe's pricing manager decided he was going to cut, undercut their prices. And so he dropped OSB from $52 down to $42 a sheet, which is great. That's a huge difference. Well, Home Depot was not going to be outdone by that. So they dropped theirs down to $38 a sheet, which is even better. Well, Lowe's said, no, nope, we're not doing that. So they dropped theirs down to $30 a sheet. Even better. This is all happening over the course of just a couple weeks. Home Depot came back and they dropped theirs down to $24 a sheet, which is incredible. And then Lowe's with the final knockout blow came off the top rope and dropped theirs down to $18 a sheet for no reason at all. <laughs> so my contractor got a call from a buddy of his and he said, I have no idea what's going on. But OSB is $18 a sheet at Lowe's right now. You need to go over there right now. <laughs> so he went over there and he bought enough for our house and a couple of houses after that. And again, I don't know if God causes people to fight. I don't know. Or if he just allows it to happen. <laughs> but in the moment, it felt very much like he was saying, see, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the price tag is. I can make it whatever I want. And he did it through a fight between these two managers. There's a bunch of other stories like that, what God did over the time. A lot of other stories where we thought we wouldn't be able to afford certain things or would have to make serious, serious cuts. And then all of a sudden those prices just came crashing down. Um, I could stand here for probably an hour and tell you just story after story of what God did while we were building but he continued to show us that if he says it's time to go or he says it's time to build, we don't have to be able to see the end result or see logically how it's going to happen. He just needs our obedience to take that first step and trust that his ways, his plans are greater than ours. Psalm 115, 1-3 says, Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Why did the nation say, Where is their God? Our God is in heaven, and he does whatever pleases him. So, 
While we were building, one of our prayers was that God would allow us to get pregnant. Sue and I, we've been married for uh, 10 years this past June, and we had the same plans as a lot of couples uh, during that time. Our plan was to spend a few years, just the two of us, uh, in our marriage, and then start to have a few kids, right? After the first few years of our marriage, we started trying to have a baby, and I come from a family that has no issue making babies. Um, as, uh, yeah, there's two of those men represented in this room today. And so I assumed we would get pregnant pretty, pretty quickly and uh, move on with the next stage of our, our plan for our life. So the first year went by and nothing happened. And then two years and then three and then four. Um, there's a certain type of depression that sets in during that time. Month after month, you're thinking that this is it. This is going to be the month that everything changes for us. And then the end of the month comes, and you're left with disappointment and uh, wondering what's going on. Um, You go through that cycle month after month, and for us, it lasted for two or three years. And like I said, pretty soon depression sets in. And bitterness and anger set in as well. Um, I wasn't bitter or angry with Celia at all. Um, It was very much uh, my issue as much as it was hers. Uh, As a man, it's a tough thing to find out that you have really low testosterone and a very low sperm count. And the few that you do have can't really be bothered to get off the couch (laughs) when the time comes. Um, And it's going to be very tough to get your wife pregnant. For whatever reason, uh, that was an embarrassing thing to realize, and for a while made me feel like uh, I was less of a man. And so I got angry and bitter towards God for a long time over that. Um, And for whatever reason, God decided to be patient with me and stay by my side while I walked through that anger and that bitterness. It took a couple years for me to work through that. Uh, During that time, most of our friends were having kids, and truthfully, sometimes it was really hard to be happy for them, um, because we wanted very badly (laughs) to be able to uh, stand up at Antioch and make that announcement ourselves. So I found myself eventually praying, all right, God, if you're not going to do this for me, then at least do it for Celia. Because she deserves to be a mom. I know you love her, so for her sake, at least do it for her. Um, And every time I prayed that, the answer always came back the same. No. For a while, we thought maybe God was doing this because he wanted us to adopt or he wanted us to foster. So then we started to pray about that. Okay, well, maybe this is what God wants. And pretty soon we heard the answer again, no, that's not it either. So he continued to stay faithful and patient with us while we walked through those few years. Around the beginning of 2020, right before he told us it was time to move, he gave us the desire to start changing the way that we prayed. Instead of asking God to give us a kid, we started to ask that God would make us content. 
if kids were not part of our future, whether it be biological or adopted, we at least wanted to be content and at peace in what he had for our lives. So our prayers changed, and it wasn't long after our prayers changed that thank you for his um, compassion and love for us that our hearts changed as well, and we became content in what he had for us. It was almost like God was patiently waiting for us, walking with us, showing us grace and kindness along the way, but waiting for us to get to the place where we were ready to be obedient um, so that he could pour out a peace and contentment that we really didn't think, especially at that time, was possible. So if anyone has been uh, married in here for more than a week, you've probably gotten this question from a nosy aunt or a curious parent or a stranger that you just met. And that question is, when are you going to have kids, right? As soon as you get married, you start getting that question over and over and over. So when are you going to have kids? The first time we got asked that question was when we were engaged uh, by an aunt. (laughs) So that was fun. Um, People love to ask that question, and for good reason, right? Because kids is one of the greatest blessings that marriage can bring. But during those years of bitterness and depression, I really dreaded getting that question, especially when they found out how long we had been married. Then the question became, well, don't you want kids? <laughs> um, and so every time someone asked me, when do you want to have kids or don't you want kids, I internally wanted to scream at them, mind your own business, please. Um, but now I really can't wait for someone to ask me that question because my answer used to be, I don't know, maybe soon. And now my answer is we can't have kids. And when you tell somebody that their eyes get this big and they immediately start looking for the exit as they go into full panic mode. (laughs) And it's kind of fun to watch actually. (laughs) And I get it, it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about. Um, It's similar to like miscarriages. It's an uncomfortable thing to talk about, and that's why for a lot of people we just don't talk about it. We tend to avoid those conversations. But for the few that stick around and don't run for the exit, I get to tell them all that God has done and that he has not given us kids, but he has chosen to make us content and grateful for the life he has given us. Over the past several months, I've been looking back, and God, again, has been showing me all these blessings that he's been putting in our lives that probably wouldn't have been possible if our plans had worked out. Uh, Many of you by now know the Alexander family. Their daughter, Kayla, uh, comes to church with us periodically. She's at A&T now, but her parents live out uh, in the Houston area. We met the Alexanders in 2018, Uh, Feed the Hunger was doing events out in Houston, and that's when we met their family. By 2018, our plan was to have at least one kid by then, but most likely have a couple. Um, So we were kind of right in the middle of a lot of that depression and bitterness and trying to figure out what was going on. And so I still probably would have gone out to this event by myself, uh, because it's an event that I normally would go to. Um, But because of how things worked out, Celia ended up being able to go with me. And on that trip, we met the Alexander family. The Alexander uh, family, they are quite literally family to us now. Our relationship grew very, very quickly. And I think it still would have been a good relationship between me and them. But having Celia there um, just kind of made that bond even tighter. 
And um, honestly, can't really imagine my life without them in it now. Uh, it's, it's very hard to imagine walking through this life without that family. Um, on the weekends when I walk into our living room, many, many Saturdays, I walk into our living room and Kayla will be sitting on our couch doing our homework or binge watching a show or I'll hear her in the pantry trying to find my stash of uh, peanut M&Ms. Um, and I just smile every time I see her on that couch and thank God that she is part of our life and, um, and that he has chosen to make this a very big part of our life. Feed the Hunger is another great blessing in our marriage. For the past nine years, Celia and I have traveled with Feed the Hunger all over the country doing events. We've also gone overseas a few times. And um, God has allowed us to be a part of this ministry in a way that wouldn't really have been possible if our plans had worked out and if we had been able to get pregnant and have kids. Um, because of that, Celia is able to travel with me all over the place and do these events by my side. And so instead of me coming home on the weekends and trying to explain what I did that weekend, uh, we're coming home together. Um, and that is one of the greatest joys of my life, is being able to do this ministry by her side. And finally, God has put us in a unique position for hospitality. We knew, we knew when we started looking for land that we wanted to end up um, somewhere in the up 49 North. That's an area in our county that is um, a very diverse area, and we wanted to be in a community that was like that. Well, we didn't know when we bought the land that almost every single house in that community, uh, the people that live in those houses are 75 years and older. So it's a very uh, old, or somewhat old, Dick, sorry. It's a somewhat old community. <laughs> it's a pretty old community, right? Um, and we found out very, very quickly it was a community of pretty much all empty nesters. And uh, as we found out the last several months, um, a lot of these uh, couples no longer have uh, kids or family that live in the area. So they're very much by themselves. So what's God decide to do? <clears throat> he decides to move a couple in their mid-30s who are also empty nesters in across the street and side by side in this community so that we can be the hands and feet of Christ and be the kids that they don't have and do the things that they can no longer do for themselves. Um, and God has already started opening up a lot of doors for us to be a, a big part of this community and, um, and a big part of these people's lives. Over Christmas, um, it became very real as we started to see the funeral signs go up and uh, two houses lost uh, their husbands. And so there are two brand new widows on our street. Um, and we know that that will continue to be the case as years go by. But again, God is opening doors so that we can offer our services and our help to these people um, as soon as we can. So before I close, I want to share one more thing. And this is especially for the uh, young men in the room or that may be listening to this. So for most of you, God will provide a wife. Um, that's, that's how the majority of people work out, right? Uh, sometimes he calls people to singlehood. But for the most part, he'll provide a wife. 
I know a lot of you uh, teenage guys have gotten into the habit of calling the Antioch girls barbarians, right? That's a nice, some of you dads may not know that. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice little, it's just a little inside joke between the young guys. I don't understand it, but it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> but trust me, you, you will not believe how quickly that will change. And uh, you will not believe how quickly you will spend almost every waking moment thinking about one of those barbarians. Um, but if God does give you a wife, I want to be um, clear that <clears throat> he doesn't promise more than that. The majority of people will be able to have kids and a family and all that stuff. Um, but for those young men that aren't, I want to... Um, just let you know some things that I've learned over the last couple of years that your worth as a man and as a husband is not based on whether you can get your wife pregnant. And for the young women who might be listening, your worth as a wife is not whether you can have a baby. Our worth comes from the fact that we are created in God's image. Our worth comes from the fact that we are humans living and breathing on this earth. And for you young men, our jobs as husbands um, is found really clearly in Ephesians 5. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by, wash, by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So young men and and old men, that is uh, our calling as husbands. And that's what makes you a man worth respecting. It's not your job. It's not how much money you make. It's not what kind of home you live in or whether you're a man who can take charge. Um, It's none of that. Your calling as a husband and what makes you worthy as a man as a married man, is how you love your wife. So love your wife as Christ loved the church. He loves us unconditionally. And that's what we're called to. Aside from salvation, Celia is the greatest gift God has ever given me. There's no uh, other woman on earth that I'd rather walk through this life with. And at least for now, God has said no when it comes for, ch- for children, and, and that no might be forever. We're, we're not sure. But he has given us a purpose as a couple. He's allowed us to be in ministry side by side. And most importantly, he has made us fully content in our life and in our future. And for that, I am eternally grateful. So, thank you. That's, that's all I got.